Welcome to On the Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup-to-nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to On the Side with Jackie London. It's me, Jackie. I'm so glad you're here for another episode. I spoke to Doug Champion today and it was an amazing episode. So Doug Champion is a pro rodeo cowboy. He's the founder and head coach at Champion Living Fitness and former professional cowboy, which is actually a term that I I think I learned today. But speaking with Doug was amazing and so enlightening and really gave me some amazing perspective about the power of injury prevention when it comes to sports training of any type. I think there's so much in this episode that any of us can learn. We get into the importance of consistency. We talked a lot about Doug's own routine and how it's shifted a little bit since since the pandemic and also since he went from being a pro rodeo cowboy to ultimately becoming the founder and head coach at Champion Living Fitness, which is really awesome. And and I would highly recommend checking this out. All right. So with all of that being said, this episode was awesome and very, very eye-opening. And I think there's a ton to get out of this one. So if you want to know what it's like to live the life of a professional cowboy, keep listening. Doug, welcome. Welcome to On the Side. How are you, Doug? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you came to chat with us. I like to kick off every interview with one thing specifically. So give give me the last 24 hours of everything that you have done since you woke up yesterday morning. Or if you want it to be this morning, that's okay too. But everything you've done through the lens of what you're eating. So starting with breakfast, what's the first thing you had for breakfast yesterday? Where were you? What were you doing? I like this already. Doug's laughing. That oh, already makes it be great good. because yesterday was Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday was Sunday. This is going to be good. So yesterday morning, I woke up about 5 a.m. I was getting some work done. I like to have Something small when I get up to eat. So I'm not like super hungry, but I'm ready to eat. My body's ready for something. I don't know if you know what Dave's Killer Bread is. I oh love, my gosh, yeah, I love right? Dave's. Awesome. So I always start with two pieces of that. And then I carry gold butter, just a tablespoon of that to split between them. And I just put something on my stomach and then I'm going to have black coffee. I do like a pour over and then I just whip up some whole milk and a little bit of brown sugar and I'll just heat that up and then do the whisk thing and make it foamy and then put it on top. And it's perfect. That's like my favorite coffee ever. I gotta say that right there, that makes me feel like it's time for a cup of coffee. I feel like I should have said, let's bring, bring your own coffee to this interview today because we need it. That sounds great. Okay. Carry on. Um, Greek yogurt. I love Greek yogurt in the morning and people don't, people look at me like I'm weird, but I love putting watermelon on it. 
So I'll do about Ooh. eight ounces, a cup Ooh. of vanilla, whole fat Greek yogurt. And then I'll do about a cup of diced up watermelon. And it's when I first heard it, I questioned it too, but I'm telling you, you should try it and get back to me on that because it is delicious. That sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. It's really good. I love, um, you will probably like this too. If you like watermelon with the Greek yogurt, you will probably enjoy a nice Granny Smith apple, which by the way, <laughs> not to get too far in the weeds here just yet, Doug, but really a Granny Smith apple is not like what I would choose to have on my own. Like I would choose a, just a different type of apple. I'm not, I'm not knocking right. it, but I just don't think I would go for the green apple, but a green apple like cut into slices and dipped into a plain Greek yogurt. The combo of those two things is like a texture thing and a sour thing, but a sweet thing. It's like the greatest snack ever, I would say. Can we go back to 5 a.m. for a sec? What was going on at 5 a.m. that you were awake? That feels early. To me, that feels like the middle of the night, maybe. I am weird in the sense that I... Just get, I just wake up and I'm ready to go. Um, but I'm also like ready for bed at eight 30 or nine sometimes. Uh, so I'm like that, you know, I will get a lot of stuff done early in the day, but I'm also an old man in the sense that I have a really hard time holding my eyes open past nine o'clock. Um, but yeah, five o'clock is just kind of <laughs> oh. my time to get up. Um, even on the weekends, six o'clock, you know, awesome. is sleeping in, sleeping in, sleeping until six on the weekends. I love it. That's awesome. So the Greek yogurt is after the coffee toast, Kerrygold butter combo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Trying to get a little okay. bit more protein in there. Obviously there's lots of carbs going on there with the toast and even in the yogurt and definitely the watermelon is just carbs, but, um, good quality carbs, which I like. And then yesterday was a busy day for me. So yesterday I had to go to a rodeo. I have a lot of athletes I coach that compete in professional rodeo. We were talking earlier and I was mentioning that it was about an hour North of us in Wyoming. I'm in Northern Colorado right now. So I knew that I was not going to have the opportunity to have that much food there. That was going to be very good for me. I knew I was going to eat something, but I knew the food quality was going to be low. So I made sure that I got a meal in. Um, I'm a big creature habit. So most of my meals, if it's yeah. not breakfast, is going to consist of white rice as my carb or sweet potato, and then some kind of protein and then diced up veggies. I just like the same thing over and over. It works for me. Um, I just mix up mix up the, uh, the proteins and the veggies and it's all good. It's a different meal each time. But I had some ground beef, <sighs> white like rice, it. and veggies. I like, uh, what was it? Cucumber, bell peppers, Kalamata olive, green olive, and some cherry tomatoes. I just sliced them all up and mix them together, and it's good. So I have this, like... I have this aversion to cucumbers, which I don't know where that started. I really, I, do, I wouldn't choose to eat a cucumber, except that I have found myself recently choosing very often to eat cucumbers. I, so I say I wouldn't eat it, but I'm like, oh no, if that has cucumber, I'm not going to get that or whatever it is. But then I wind up like buying cucumbers at the grocery store and then thinking, what's going to go with these cucumbers <laughs> you look at them, I like, used to store, dislike like, yeah. aggressively? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. These I'm are like, good I for me. You. I'm getting I them. I <laughs> don't want this, but I'm going to get them anyway. I just, they're just easy to use. But when you make that, so it's cucumbers, bell peppers, and two types of olives. That's what I think is key right mm -hmm. there. I feel like two types of olives make everything better, right? I, I, I love mean, olives, what can't yes. an olive do? Exactly. <sighs> You can it's stuff them. You got garlic, uh, yes. blue cheese, all those things. Like, oh my goodness, so good. They they can be a cooking oil. They can be a vegetable, and they can be a garnish. I feel like there's no one else that can really be a triple threat in quite well. I guess you could say potatoes, for example. <laughs> they can also make vodka. So <laughs> that's that true. feels like 
It feels like a strong attribute. All right. Okay. So you so you packed this lunch to go with you or I you ate had it before this I left. while you were there? Ate it before you ate I it left. Before you left. So that okay. was at about 10 o'clock. Okay. So it had been, you know, about two and a half, three hours lunchtime. since I had had, yeah, you know, been up at five. So 10 o'clock is lunchtime. Absolutely. <laughs> um, got up to the rodeo. Last day of the rodeo. I had a cold Coors light when I got there and that was at about noon. So we just went ahead and did that. Um, had a couple waters after that. Uh, went and helped my athletes get on some bucking horses and bulls. And then I came back and I had a hot dog and one more Coors light. Awesome. Yeah. So, awesome. Good for you. Yeah. That sounds like a great Sunday. It was a good Sunday. And then I followed that with a lot of more water. Um, I came home okay. and had a good meal. I had my, my rice and veggies and I had pulled pork that night. So I had that made already from uh, earlier in the week. I've got an Instapot and a uh, air fryer, which are like my buddies. I Everything I do is in those. So easy. Comes out good every time. I'm like, yep, two things I need. That's it. I love the air fryer. I love the air fryer concept. I have not yet... I, honestly, I mean, this is embarrassing for me to say, but I mean, we're just, we're friends here. Okay. I'm not, I haven't mastered the air fryer yet. What's your go-to thing to make in that in that little device in your buddy. So air fryer, air fryer. Okay. And people are going to freak out when they hear this, but a steak is so good in an air fryer. And really? my brother like literally called me his sister for five months because he, because I cooked my steak in an air fryer and he came over and he tried it. And he looks at me. He's like, I, I have to take every word back because that is probably the best steak I've ever had. And I think it's something about the convection, how it's, wow. It gets totally. both sides and it gets it very crispy. So like a ribeye almost has like a, a bacon-y taste. It's it's really good. Wow. Man, that's super easy. That so like, sounds amazing. Super simple. Eight ounce ribeye, throw it in there. Ten minutes, put it on 400 degrees, flip it at five minutes. And then you just take it out and let it sit for two minutes after that. And you'll have a perfect medium mercy. My mind is blown. <laughs> I... <laughs> I would like you to come to New York and we can do a cooking we'll have demo to plan together. It. We'll have to plan it. <laughs> Yogurt and watermelon and steaks oh in the gosh. air fryer. That's amazing. Yeah. Actually, honestly, those things do sound very delicious right now. Maybe I'm just hungry. Maybe I'm it's that. Hungry. Maybe it's just time for probably time for a little snack soon. All right. So what's going, let's go back to the hot dog. Cause that was at the rodeo mm -hmm. itself. Right. Okay. So I got to back this up by saying that first of all, I have I have definitely been to a rodeo once or twice as a kid. I don't really remember it that well, except for um, except for it being like a true stadium sport. So, and it, it just got me thinking about how there's nothing better than that, you know, like than that experience of being in a stadium and really enjoying something that is just that's like real skill in a setting that is really challenging, but also really exciting. And the camaraderie and the whole idea of that Absolutely. is just something I feel like we've really missed a lot Absolutely. of over the last year or so. Could not agree more. So tell me about the whole experience. Let's hear about it. What's it like? What's the food? What's the concessions situation at a rodeo? Let's start with that. Let's just start with that. <laughs> well, you got two options. You got stand A and stand B. Stand A is all your non-alcoholic things. So they've got okay. all your soda products, water, some Gatorade, um, and then food. And your food is limited. It is nachos, <laughs> which is, you know, the round okay. tortilla chips that they just pour that good old like cheese it? on, some jalapenos if you want. Oh, yeah. And then a hot Ooh. dog. 
and you get a bun if you want that. I had, I of course opted for the bun because why wouldn't you? And I had some ketchup and mustard on it. I'm not a big fan of relish. They had that as an option, but I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling the relish. So I didn't get with that. I agree. I agree. I'm more of a sauerkraut kind of girl. I would say I, I would opt in on sauerkraut any day. I mean, honestly, why would you put something sweet like relish on your dog? I just feel like it doesn't belong. It doesn't belong on there. Not at all. Not at all. But that was pretty much after the food. And then, you know, obviously you could get your, your beverages of with alcohol in them. So we're okay. in Colorado. So, or we're in Wyoming. So tons of Coors Light and, uh, Coors Original, White Claws, surprisingly. They had White Claws available. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, and what else? They have these Arnold Palmers. You know, the tea and the... Ooh. Yeah. I am um, yeah. not a big fan of those. Sugary drinks really give me a headache after. I just suck with a couple of Coors Lights that were ice cold, and they were great. That sounds like the right choice. That sounds like a very refreshing choice. Okay. So what else do we need to know? For those of us who have who do not have this experience regularly. What else is happening when you are both at the rodeo as doing what you're doing, which is helping your clients kind of get prepped for their event? Yeah. Is that what you would say, you would say event? I would say event. Or like moment. Uh, yeah, their event. Yeah. They each have different events. There's, um, there's, I think, I believe eight different events in rodeo. I have clients in each event. So this goes anywhere from roping to riding livestock, rough stock, which are bucking horses and bucking bulls. Um, I have girls that are barrel racers. I have girls that are breakaway ropers. They rope the cabs um, off of their horses, things like that. I have guys that are steer wrestlers. They wrestle the steers off of their horses. Um, There's all kinds of things going on. So my, when I go to these rodeos with them, we've already put in the work that they need to put in to get to get where they are. So as for the prep side, I'm not doing a whole lot, but just making sure that they feel good. They are having a good time, like keeping it loose, keeping it cool. Um, you can get very serious back there sometimes, and it never goes well when that happens. Like you need to keep it loose. You need to have fun with it. There, it is intense. There's a lot of things happening, but the more fun you have with it, the much better you're going to do. So my biggest thing is just kind of just shooting the shit with them. Um, you know, making sure that again, they're just having yeah. fun. They're having a good day. Their body's feeling good. If something is bothering them here, let's throw this in your warm up really quickly. And then as for their, their events, when it comes time to get on their bucking horses or bulls, I'll help them pull their riggings on the horses. I'll help them with whatever's going on in the bucking shoot at the time and, uh, just be there for them and hang out and just make sure that, you know, celebrate with them. And if something, you know, something doesn't go right. And that's going to be, that's going to happen in rodeo. You're going to get bucked off. You're going to have um, yeah. bad luck. You're, things are going to happen. And your outlook on that, your perspective on that means a lot to how you're going to do the next time you go out there. So uh, somebody that hangs on to something for a long time, can't have that short memory is probably not going to have a very good luck or a good time rodeoing because you have to be able to forget about it yeah. quick. You know, we didn't win today. We learned something and let's take that and move on to the next one. And that's the biggest thing, you know, and these guys are, they're competitors. So, you know, that competitive drive, it sucks to lose. Like you get pissed off. It happens, but it's okay to be mad about it. You got about five minutes in my book, you know, like take your five minutes, be pissed off after that. It's gone. It's behind us. We're moving forward. We took from it what you need and that's it. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, it means a lot to them being there for them and give them a plan and a guide to, uh, staying as fit and as healthy as you can while you're on the road and, and rodeoing because rodeo is just not a sport that is 
ever been available. That thing that's never been something that's been available to cowboys and cowgirls or even farmers and, and ranchers. It's just uh, something that's been overlooked <laughs> in that demographic. Hey everyone, quick note from yours truly, the host of the On The Side podcast, it's me, Jackie London, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this, and for starting this journey with me. I am brand new to the podcasting space, and I would love to get the word out there about the On The Side podcast. I'm so loving doing this. I am enjoying it more than anything else, and I love hearing from interesting guests and answering your questions. So if you're enjoying it too, please, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your social media platform and tag me at Jacqueline London RD. You can also, if you're not on social media and you're listening to this right now, then please take a screenshot and share the link to the episode wherever you're getting your podcasts and share it with three friends. How about that? Just three, maybe three family members, maybe just three people you know who might learn something new or feel like they're inspired to start sharing this a little bit more. I would love to get the word out there about the podcast and I would really, really love your help in doing so. So please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share your feedback with me. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you think and what you're loving so far and what you'd love to hear more of. You can reach me on any social media platform at Jacqueline London RD, or you can email me info at JacquelineLondonRD.com. And I can't wait to hear from you and hear your thoughts so far. All right, let's get back to the episode. Totally, totally. Why do you think, why is that really? Um, so I think that it hasn't been a big thing in, in rodeo or Western industry because Honestly, I I think it just goes back to how the people are. Those those people are they're proud. First of all, um, they're proud of what they are. They're yeah. strong people. They're not. They don't give up on anything. They have incredible work ethic, and they're not yeah. someone who goes to the doctor that much. You know what I mean? They are. It's just the truth of it. They're not. They're not around hospitals. They're not. They don't know anything about it. They know farm life for ranch life. And that's what they've known for a lot of generations. And sure, yeah. pe- things have changed a little bit, but for the most part, being their health and fitness and wellness hasn't been a priority because their crops, their livestock, all those things take priority over that, I think. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that any kids or anything coming out of those industries have been super pumped up to work, you know, to go get a fitness degree or learn about those yeah. kinds of things because they have ranch life and they're trying, they're doing their part and keeping everything going. So I just don't think, I think that's the main reason that there isn't a lot of awareness and of fitness and nutrition and all those things. Um, I fell in love with working out because of rodeo, which is kind of cool. Um, I yeah. knew that yeah. So cool. Like I just knew that I needed to be strong. I needed to be fit to do this. And that wasn't a thing when I started rodeoing. <laughs> so I kind of right. just did my right. own thing and was figuring it out. And it, you know, it started to work and it started to show up in how I was riding. I was like, okay, this is important. Um, I had, so I professionally rodeoed for five or six years. I went to college and did collegiate rodeo and was on a college rodeo team. And we won some, as a team, wow. we won a couple national titles, which is really fun to be a part of. And rodeo is a really cool 
thing that not a lot of people, you know, know that that exists. Like there's a college rodeo team or, um, you know, that's right. I mean, I, I <laughs> sitting yeah. here going college and like scholarships school, yeah. what? and they pay awesome. for school and there's all kinds of opportunities for cow, cowboys and cowgirls or just rodeo athletes in general to, you know, pay for your whole college and you can go enjoy yeah. the sport you love and compete in it and get a degree, which is pretty awesome. I've got to ask you, this is maybe a dumb question, but I, I feel like I just got to ask because I don't totally have it. What what are the rules of rodeo? Like, what are the parameters of, like, if we're playing basketball, we know that we've got halves, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like the first half of the second. You know what I mean? Like, I like what are what is the structure of the sport? So it goes from event to event as a structure. So instead of quarters or anything, you just switch events. So the first okay. event of the rodeo is the bareback riding. And so wow. these are bucking horses. They aren't riding a saddle. They just have a handhold, the handheld rigging that looks like yeah. it's a suitcase handle, essentially made out of leather. That's really, really yeah. hard and it doesn't bend or anything, but there's hold on with one hand. Their goal is to spur the wow. horse in the neck every time he comes up and you want to set your feet before he gets to the ground. So okay. kicks it off with a bang, a lot of intensity. It's a really exciting uh, event. That's yeah. what I did. Um, that's what my, my little brother still does that. He's a professional rodeo cowboy. He's made a living at this for a long time now, 10 years, wow. something like that. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, then they'll go to steer wrestling. So that it's a big guy event. There will be, they will run next to the steer on a horse. They'll get off their horse and wrestle the steer down. And it's not like a legit wrestling match. There's a technique. But they can get them flipped over okay. pretty quick. Um, but I mean, in like sometimes three to five seconds, it's really fast. It's exciting. Um, then there'll go some kind of roping event uh, back to a bucking horse event with uh, the saddle on it this time. And so they'll be holding onto a rein and then riding their saddle at the same time. Again, they want to be in time with the horse spurring him as it jumps. Uh, I think we go back to a couple more roping events. Then the girls will run barrels, barrel racing okay. event, which is three barrels. They'll race as fast as they can around them. And I, uh, like a cloverleaf pattern and then wow. uh the buck bulls for the last thing so the bull riding's last and yeah, of course that's the you know a lot of people come to watch the bulls buck yeah yeah so. okay so you so when you were doing this you said you did this in college too mm -hmm. correct okay yep. so your so so just give us a picture of the evolution of doug the the sort of like your career <laughs> your upbringing that, that brought you to this and what made you um what made you interested in it and then what made you say all right i'm going on to to different things i'm going to take a different road and it's going to include uh fitness and training <laughs> no i'm oh. awesome love it i have we can go over all that it's a lot of adventure throughout uh, the life. Yeah, so you're going to hear like a lot it. of different places and stuff. So, um, so born in LA, <laughs> okay. uh, moved to New Mexico when I was three or something like that. My family owned a haunted hotel there. Um, Whoa. so we did that Whoa. for, yeah. Okay. I've already got to stop you. <laughs> we <laughs> Wait, what? So it's called the St. James. It's been on discovery channel and stuff like that. And it's, it's legit haunted. Like there's like, <laughs> It's haunted for sure. <laughs> like, if you don't believe me, go go there because like, you probably will. Not to get sidetracked, but like my folks, they ran it, so it's a small hotel. We don't. If people come in late at night, they have to wait for them. So they're walking through, checking things, and like their name gets called and stuff in the hallway at like two a.m. and nobody's there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and I'm, I can remember my parents talking about it. like it was just normal after a couple of years. Like they're like, oh yeah, this 
and they like named the ghosts and stuff like oh this one's doing weird stuff today like oh my that's just so weird but yeah it's crazy Mm -hmm. wow my grandpa um my grandpa bought it and then my family ran it for a good while this is fascinating first of all i do want to go stay there it does make me interested in staying there but also it makes me feel terrified so okay i won't get us completely off track i'm going to look at this haunted hotel later look at it okay st james hotel new mexico new mexico okay okay born in la New Mexico, moved to Anchorage, Alaska after that. Oh, cool. Yeah. My dad uh, ran the Sheraton Hotel in Anchorage. He's uh, been wow. in hotels for forever, as long as I can remember. So that's why I moved so much. He just kept getting different opportunities. But we lived in Alaska until I was 13. So we did most of my childhood cool. there, which was cool. Um, lots of downhill ski racing, lots of fishing, hunting, things like that in the summer. And it was just a really cool place to grow up. After that, we moved to Dallas, Texas. My dad just got another job down there. So I started middle school there. Um, and I got into lacrosse and stuff like that. Uh, really like some like sports, football, stuff like that. And then did high school in Arizona. And I graduated from a school called Notre Dame Prep in Scottsdale, Arizona. We were living in a city called Carefree, Arizona, if you can believe that. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty great. It was just great. north of there, That's about 30 great. minutes, I think, from the school. But it was a it was a cool, it was a cool, another cool place to be, but, uh, went to college at university of Wyoming for one year. Wasn't the best fit for me. It's really cold and windy yeah. up there. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, coming from Arizona also, that feels like, feels yeah. like a big swing. Feels like a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a big jump. Um, so I took a break for, I went to community college for a year after that with my folks, they had moved to Seattle or that area. Okay. So was still rodeoing, was still doing that. Just needed to to figure out where I wanted to go. So I landed at Sam Houston state university in Huntsville, Texas and went there and I graduated from there and I college rodeo there. Um, also where I started professional rodeo started in every bit of my rodeo career there. It was a really, really cool place to be. Like I said, they were, they had a really good team. So it was a fun thing to be a part of. Um, but again, there wasn't any kind of like fitness help or nutrition help or anything like that, which is kind of crazy when you start thinking about like national championship caliber teams and there's nothing about that you know in there so i just started working out and knew that i needed to be stronger the horses were getting stronger i needed to be more mobile flexible to help avoid injuries things like that and then my nutrition i knew that i had to fuel myself right to make all these things happen to achieve my goals so um, i just started really just self-learning for a long time and i had an injury in 2000 i think it's 12 or Oh, 2012. I, uh, yeah, I had a horse yeah. flip over with me into a fence and she Ooh. just like rolled with me. So we just like sandwiched me in between her and the fence. And when Ooh. she did that, she broke my collarbone, four ribs, and my fractured my spine, my L4, L5, and S1. Uh, so I was pretty Ooh. banged up after that. And they, you know, they're like, you're not getting on another bucking horse. You're not gonna be able to do this. You'll be lucky to be whatever normal again. I'm like, okay. So I get pretty healed up ribs, collarbones, all healed up. I get on one more horse. Everything's fine. Except for my back is really, really hurt. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Cause like it hasn't hurt yet. So we go and like get images of that. And I hadn't done that because my, my ribs and collarbone had hurt so bad. I hadn't paid attention to that. Right. I mean, I, it's hard to even think about breathing. Period. So thinking about your back, it it definitely could take a second there. I can see how that might... (laughs) 
can see how that might yeah, so, happen. Okay. Six months later, Ooh. eight months later, we go get images and they're, yep, you fractured your vertebrae straight down the middle. Your discs are, uh, they're herniated because there's no, the space is bigger between your vertebrae now. So it's, oh. they're hitting nerves and stuff. So that's why I was having a lot of the problems I was having. I was like 23 at the time and 22. And the surgeons were not very confident in being able to help me and like not potentially having long lasting effects that would yeah. make my quality of life not worse, essentially. Not awful. So yeah. I searched and searched and searched for surgeons and I found one finally after two years and he was in Houston and he was a, um, a neurosurgeon. And so I'd been talking to orthopedics wow. the whole time and I just right. had come across this article that neurosurgeons were the new thing for spine surgery because there's so many nerves and things like that. Totally. Anyways, yeah. I went to him first day. He's like, I'll fix you. I'm like, perfect. You're up. After all these years, I'm in. So I uh, I had a full, a full spine fusion, um, wow. L4, L5, S1. And he said, you're going to be fixed. Like, I don't know what you'll be able to do though. I've never had anyone as young as you. I don't, you know, the cape, I don't know how you're, I was in great shape. And that was the other thing that got me into fitness was yeah. during that period. The only thing that made the pain get better was strength getting yeah. stronger, taking yeah. the pressure off of my back. So I found out that moving, getting stronger, eating right, controlling inflammation with your food, not eating things that are going to help, wow. you know, boost your body's already upset. Whatever's upset yeah. with you, you don't want to keep going with that by feeding it shit essentially. <laughs> so, totally. um, yeah, I just, I knew that was important. So I got as strong as I possibly could. Like when I went and had surgery, I had been doing CrossFit, um, with my, my back kind of messed up, but obviously I had been doing different versions of that things I could do that weren't going to hurt me, but were yeah. helping me getting me very strong. Um, and that was what kind of got me into my first certification and stuff like that. So when I got healed up, I got certified in as a CrossFit coach and did their CrossFit football program as well, which is like a strength and conditioning coach, essentially anything you would need for that. Yeah. Um, and so I opened up my own gym in Huntsville after that and did all my own rehab there and decided that I really loved CrossFit and was going to try and make the games. And so wow. I trained for three, four years and wow. got close to, um, got close to regionals a couple of times and just yeah. never made it, but it's still, the sport is, it's so hard and so tough to make it in that, in that game. So that game, so that's, so CrossFit games are like, describe them. What are, what are they like? <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the mix of every kind of fitness. You have to be good at everything. You can't, you know, not just strong, but fast and not just fast, but be able to pace yourself for a marathon, essentially. Like you have to be able to do everything and you have to be not great at everything, but you got to be kind of good at everything to be great at wow. the sport. Um, so it's training all day long. And that's really where my awareness for nutrition came into play was totally. I found that really quickly i was underfueling myself big time um yeah. you know when you're you're outputting i don't even know how many calories five thousand six right. you know a lot it's ridiculous um we were eating a lot and so that's right. where i started learning about macros and honestly after um i don't know if you've ever heard of have you ever heard of marcus philly he's kind that of a uh, he's functional bodybuilding is a big thing he was a crossfit games athlete he's been in men's health recently and stuff like that but he was his program is what i they coached me through all my competitive career in CrossFit. And so his coaches and I worked together. Um, they really expanded my excitedness. Isn't the right word, yeah. but they Interest. got me more excited to be yeah. a coach and an athlete. Yeah. So I, they are all certified through this program called OPEX and okay. 
it's it's a remote program so you're doing it at home you're doing it through your computer but it is the full spectrum of i would say like if you're your personal training degree if there was such a thing yeah um so this covers every every spectrum from individualized fitness meaning we don't just write right. programs for a group because everybody's different. And so totally. like if, you know, yes. someone has perfect mobility and, and is strong, they can do this movement, this weight. But like, if I prescribe one weight for everyone, that's not going to work for everybody. Right. We're going to end up with people hurt, whatever, overdone, whatever it is. So we individualizing the fitness is perfect is the huge part. We take you through the behaviors of it. Um, people's relationship with fitness, people's totally. relationship with foods. Um, you know, like they call it food hygiene, which I thought was really cool, but like things like, um, you know, some people create a lot of stresses around eating. So, um, where, like, where are you when you eat? Um, you know, where do you eat every day? It's like, always how, my first oh, question. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because and it like, really who matters. are you doing with? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Um, and then like, how long does it take you to eat? You know, right. if you're sitting there just stuffing down, like that's not going to work. You right. know, we're not, that's not right. going to work very well. Um, just stressful in itself. And I don't, I ask people how many times they chew. I don't anticipate people like counting, but 30 <laughs> times is about right to get, Gosh. um, to get a 20 to 30, something like that. And I like, I try it sometimes and I'm like, I don't have anything left by that. Right. There's nothing it, here. You know, I guess. Right. Yeah. No. Like just chew it till it's gone. Okay. Perfect. I can do that. Um, water drinking during oh, your, yeah. while you eat. Um, it's just like a lot of people, think that it's not good to drink a lot while you're eating at the same time. Like your saliva should do the most of that, right? Carrying most of the nutri nutrients to you. And I think that they teach, they don't think they know it's like 15 to 20 minutes on either side of the meal is when you should start and stop ish, hmm. you know, and that's all guidelines and whatever, whatever makes, I'm all about individualized stuff. So if your body likes it, cool, let's go with it. But if you're noticing things like bloat and things like that, let's change some things. Let's start tracking or whatever and write them down and figure it out. Well, what's so interesting to me is even just the questions. I mean, some of those in, you know, working in private practice, I can see how some of them, depending on how you're asking or when you're asking or what else is going on, even when you're asking those questions, they can bring up a lot of different other types of concerns or people get, you know, um, start to feel a little bit antagonized by the experience of, of, hearing those questions or triggered by some of those questions. But I also, at the same time, I'm so curious about it because there's so much that, you know, with some of that self-compassion and non-judgment of one's own eating habits is, is there's tremendous amount of value in what you can really learn from noticing without judgment. You know, like, oh, I'm noticing Absolutely. that I'm over-chewing this celery stick and it tastes awful yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing left. <laughs> Exactly. Right? But exactly. I mean, but at the same time, it's also like the, where are you, the, what else is going on? The, what are you doing? Even those, even that process, I could see that being really impactful for people just on its own, just right there. Um, cause yeah. I think that's like, that's really what gets overlooked in, um, in a lot of this conversation. Let's get to a quick listener question. All right. So today's question is, how can I stop feeling like shit after a big night out? <laughs> I love this question. I honestly feel like I've asked it of myself and colleagues a million times. Uh, in full transparency, I actually discussed this question 
on an Instagram live with my sister. And it really was so interesting to me because I realized that there's so many ways that this big night out or big meal or big indulgence is like coming up over and over again in our lives without it having the same name as it may have had, let's say in college, for example, or uh, post-college or maybe just yesterday. But like, there's something about having that massively indulgent, boozy, binge on brownies situation that can just make us feel so amazing in the moment and so shitty either five minutes after or when we wake up the next day. And a huge part of that is emotional. Um, and, and certainly there's the whole psychological component of this, right? It's like, oh, I feel like I just so out of control and I don't deserve anything and I shouldn't need anything today. And then, you know, like that's like the self-talk that starts to come up. And then there's this other component of it, which is totally biological, right? Like it's the actual physical effects of feeling hungover or feeling like this massive, like you have a bowling ball in your stomach or like you really didn't sleep because you had such a bad heartburn and headache at the same time and you just can't possibly drink enough water. So let me start with my recommendations that are very generalized and very much geared to to sort of do the most while also doing the least (laughs) at the same time. So basically, I would give this advice as a kind of general primer for getting yourself back to neutral. What does that actually look like? I would put this in the terms of drink, snack, rest. Okay, what do I mean by that? Drink, 16 ounces of water right away first thing when you wake up. And if you're feeling kind of crappy about everything, uh, let's say a half an hour after you're suffering the hangover in your kitchen with like your elbows are deep in potato chips and all of a sudden you have this come to Jesus, it's like, I got to rein it in for a sec. I'm not saying that's you, but if it is you, (laughs) then let's just start right here. 16 ounces, two cups of water. Let's just rule out a little bit of that subclinical dehydration that you could be experiencing by going balls to the wall last night, all right? Or tonight or whenever this is, right? Like, let's start by making sure that you're hydrated, making sure you're kind of up to date and meeting your body's own personal fluid needs. That would be my go-to advice. It's really hard to say that two cups of water is really gonna be too much for anybody. There's no harm in doing it, even if it doesn't help you. So go for it, drink that water. I don't care if it's, you know, sometimes diet ginger ale, helps a lot of people, especially after a big night out, or if it's a an unsweetened ginger tea, that sounds very lovely and wonderful and kind of wellness guru-y, but it also sounds kind of delicious. So I would certainly recommend doing that. But whatever it is that, that helps you stay hydrated, just avoid the sugar because you're not going to want to feel any shittier than you already feel. So like just any unsweetened beverage, 16 ounces, start by hydrating. Okay. Next thing I would say is to snack. This is really more for your next day. Eat consistently. That's what I mean by snack. I mean, every three to four hours, you're eating regular meals and snacks your day as you normally would. This is the biggest hurdle I have seen in private practice, in clinical care, in working for a company. I have seen this all over the place, which is that we all do the same thing, which is that the day after we've had some sort of like a big meal, big indulgence, a holiday, we restrict. It's the self-talk, right? It's the, I I can't eat anything. I'm not eating all day. I'm not going to have, I'm not having breakfast. I'm not having lunch. And maybe I'll have a lettuce leaf for dinner. Okay. That never works. So let's just like, (laughs) just bring ourselves back up to speed here and say, here's what does work. Getting back on track with something that is 
consistent for you. So I give the recommendation of eating every three to four hours. Um, I've, I've heard this a little bit, you know, a little bit differently in other places at other times, but I think that really gives a nice gauge for how your day should actually be structured and how to sort of tell, because a lot of the time you're going to feel like you're not really sure how, if you can tell whether you're actually hungry or not, but just the pattern of getting back into your routine, your normal routine, and feeling like you're eating consistently and fueling your day, you do not not deserve punishment for making food choices that felt like they were out of your control. This is called life. This happens to all of us. It happens to me. It happens to every clinician I know and every friend I have and every family member. This is totally normal. So resist the urge to bring all of your demons to the pity party and instead party for one, you're going to eat breakfast and it's going to be a delicious peanut butter and jelly on an English muffin, Sheila. All right. I don't know why I keep using Sheila as the name, but okay, it's happening. Okay. Last thing we got drink, we got snack. Let's do rest. Rest is sort of my blanket term for either if you can and you feel like you just can't move and you don't want to get out of bed. Okay. Then go to sleep. If you can go to sleep, all that much better for you, right? Sleep, giving yourself permission to actually rest is just one of the many ways that all of us could afford to just practice a little bit more self-compassion these days. So I would say if you can sleep, do that. And if not, then, then I would find ways to take small breaks by doing things that feel really restful to you. So that may not mean sleep, right? For, for me, that's usually taking a good walk somewhere listening to something that I'm really interested in. That's what makes me feel energized and makes me feel a little bit more like myself. It's like the getting moving, getting outside, going somewhere, turning it around and coming back. It does not have to be long. It can be 15 minutes. Um, I would say 15 minutes is probably a good amount of time to at least get you to listen to something like half of this question answered. <laughs> but it's also a good amount of time to just kind of get outside and feel like you're doing something different and break up your day a little bit more. If you can do more, do more. If you want to do less, do less. That's completely up to you. But do the things that leave you feeling a little bit more rested and ready for your next thing. But above all else, self-compassion is absolutely critical. It's critical in all areas of life, but particularly after you've indulged. Presumably, you did something last night that left you feeling like you had the best fucking time. And hopefully you did not feel any guilt or shame or remorse while it was happening. So I keep that in mind. Part of living a more healthful, more fulfilling, more satisfying life overall means that sometimes you're going to indulge. Sometimes you're going to have meals, snacks, desserts, potato chips, whatever it is that you did not plan on. And that's okay. It's totally normal. All right. So give yourself permission to live your life and to stay consistent the next day, drink, snack, rest. All right, I'm going to deep dive a little bit more on that one on the YouTube channel, but that's a pretty big deep dive for today. Let's get back to the episode. Wow. Okay. So it was after, so it was really the injury that got your mm -hmm. interest going at full speed in becoming a trainer and in starting your own thing and doing your own thing. So what, so when did you, and when did you start this, your current, it's champion fitness, Champ, champion living fitness. Yep. Love it. I okay. started that in, um, January of 2020. 
Huh. Is that the year COVID okay. happened? Yeah, 20. Yeah. I'm a little off. Like, I feel like that <laughs> year know. didn't happen. So I'm like, I'm just off on my time. I totally uh, agree. I totally agree. I'm like, no, there's no way I aged another year because I lost a year. I feel like we lost a year. We should just not count it. Right. Yeah. I'm exactly. redoing, redoing the year. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're right at about 18, wow. 19 months. And cool. it's been um, incredible. It's just unbelievable how accepting how accepted it's been by um so many people and it's not just um rodeos and rodeo people or cowboys and cowgirls it's everybody we have people from all different walks of life that uh that reach out to us for help and it's a lot of fun and i've been able to hire three other coaches with me that are young coaches um young business owners that they just they just needed you know some guidance on how to start your own business and how to keep going and how to keep being a good coach and i've just brought them in with this with me on this and we've been it's been the best team i could ever uh, could ever imagine building awesome. so they are extremely hard workers they are on fire for learning about wow. every kind of you know uh, fitness thing nutrition thing and just yeah. biggest thing is just super on fire to help people and do whatever it takes to make this whole thing approachable for people yeah because wow. i think that's the biggest thing these days with totally when you totally. it's scary like it's a lot to look at you know there's macros there's crossfit there's hit workouts there's yoga there's running walking like what do i, I don't yeah. know what to do do i you know what right. do i do so right. i love being able to write up a plan get find out what people's goals are as coaches we all learn to do this together we go through mm-hmm. the process the same way with all of our clients so we just make sure to get all everything in we talk about life with our clients we talk about you know what they want to achieve are those goals realistic in that time yeah. frame that they want to achieve them and then we if they aren't we just help them uh move those goals around and make them something that is going to be a success and is going to be a win for them. And, um, most of the time it's just a little bit of a, you know, an eye opener for people. And they're like, Oh, perfect. Well, now I don't have false expectations and I know exactly where I'm going. I know where I need to be and know what I need to do. So let's get it done. And then on the accountability side, we're there for that. We're checking in with our clients Mm -hmm. every day. Um, they're using our app that we use to check in for workouts. We do pictures of their food. That's awesome. yeah. Unless they're like a super competitive athlete that they need to be tracking every mm. single number that they're eating, like a bodybuilder or something totally. like that. Um, the thing that I really wanted to ask you about on this topic, when it comes to you mentioned this before and I and when I was reading before we got on, I was I was really curious about this one element of your training program, which is that you mentioned the the road, like uh, doing both a rodeo specific training program, having a rodeo specific training program that you'll design on an individualized basis. Right. But then you're, you're also working with, you know, your average Joe, Joanne, who may have a specific training goal or may have a weight related goal or may just want to get stronger or feel better. So what's the, what is like the different process for you in coming up with a, a program for someone who is, looking for a rodeo specific training program versus not so injury prevention is probably the biggest thing um the guys that are rodeoing i have do a ton of preventative injury type workouts which i don't get me wrong i do that with uh, my other athletes as well my other clients as well because stability strength is but mostly what i'm talking about on that aspect so um, making sure that all the little muscles that hold all those joints together are super stable and are able to you know, move with whatever kind of weird 
thing may happen in a rodeo event. Um, you know, you hit the ground right. all kinds of right. different ways and things get twisted, things Ooh. pop. It, um, you just want to have them as stable and as mobile as possible without being on the other side of eating you know, too tight or too mobile. Um, so it's a good balancing act. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. With my average Joe's or my mom or dad that just wants to look good, feel good. Um, you know, be healthy f- to chase their kids around the yard every day. Mm. We're going through yeah. a general assessment every on the first day. Um, and we're testing range of motion and basic yeah. movement patterns. So depending on where they're at from there, we're going to just, continue to increase their strength, increase again, mobility for everybody. I think that is a big part of a training program. And then the diff- the differences is just a lot more focus on the little, little muscles on the, um, with my rodeo athletes. Yeah. And it's crazy how much of a different difference it makes. Some, some of these guys or some of these weeks, they're hitting nine rodeos in seven days. And like, when you think about the amount of force wow. and of stress, just not only from the rides, but Sometimes they're driving 13 or 14 hours to a rodeo. Like right, the sitting right. up, everything is a lot. So I have programs like, and right now for them, they're hardcore in season rodeoing hard, hard. Um, they just came off the busiest time of the season for them. And they're doing basically souped up physical therapy stuff. Yes. Okay. I like it. Slow motion stuff, bands only, body weight stuff. And it's literally movement wow. designed to make you feel better and just activate everything again. And I just take them through each yeah, That's range amazing. of motion. That's so it's interesting. Cool. It's cool. And the best part is just hearing how good they feel. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's the most amazing part. But I love, love, love what you just said about the 13-hour car ride. Because I feel like this is something that just does not get talked about with pro athletes in any sport, right? Which is that there's other things besides the actual training that factor in, like sitting on a plane or sitting in a car or driving or needing to spend the night at a random um, motel where you don't know what the food situation is going to look like for you. And and there's so many other factors, some of which you can control, but like others that you really can't. So what would be a general tip? Like if, if someone is you know, going through their season, having their season, what is, what would be something that you feel like is a kind of underrated piece of advice or something that you know is a definitive, like you need to focus on X, anything, anything in that realm that, that comes to mind. So it's not a specific thing, but I think that the most important thing is the consistency of doing something. And whether that is, 10 minutes or 20 minutes, like it doesn't matter. It's the routine. It's the habit of doing it. Your brain does so much more with the time that you stop to actually do that thing that you do every day to reset. Totally. You're going to, you're going to feel better. I promise, you know, after even again, 10 minutes. And that's the thing I run into with guys and even those average people, regular people that don't want to, don't have a huge goal is I didn't have an hour. So I didn't do it. I'm like, dude, if you, took that to everything, Oh yeah. you know, you wouldn't even do oh, it three quarters of the time. But if you did 20 minutes every day, you did three quarters of the work. So like, you're so much further yeah. ahead. If you just take that little bit and just do it instead right. of being like, Oh, I'm not, that's not good enough. I don't have an hour. I'm not doing it. Just find that consistency. It goes yeah. so much further than just fitness or rodeo or anything. I mean, it goes a lot, you know, life in general, if you're consistent at it, you're probably going to get pretty damn good at it. Hundred percent. You know, it's funny because as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, yeah, I should really, I should think about that. And the funny, like, the hilariousness is that if if someone were to ask me that question, I would say the exact same thing. I would be like, listen, 
every time you eat is another yep. chance to practice eating. Like you're exactly. like everything takes practice, right? To be to feel more confident about our own choices. Like we've got to practice doing something. So start exactly. practicing. You know, like it's time to it's time for dinner, whatever it is. But when I think about it, when you take it out of the context, I I feel like that's so refreshing and important for people to hear is that like even people like you and I who work in this space are still people who, I, or at least I'll speak for myself, that I find yep. that like reminding myself of consistency <laughs> with anything, no matter what it is, is just really hard because it really is easy to get caught up in the whole, I don't have an hour, so I'm not going to do it, or I don't have yep. 10 minutes, so I'm not going to do it when you could really do it. In, you could just do something for five, you know, I, I'm so interested by that. And I, I feel like that's so well said. It's so true. Consistency is everything. Okay. So this is my, and I know we've got to wrap up soon. So this is two things I want to do first. My first question is really something I've wanted to ask you about this whole time. Cause I keep thinking about the actual, so what you were describing about the, um, the actual event itself. So what it entails, what it's like, if you were going to give someone advice on a pre a pre training or a pre event kind of meal or snack, is there eating happening? Like, are are you like you know what you're going to need a rotisserie chicken? Like, is there is there a go to anything that you give? Is there a timing guideline that you would share, or is or is it really very um, very much don't don't eat anything. Um, it's so independent, but majority of guys are not going to want to eat anything. Yeah. Okay. Because it's the, uh, it's the adrenaline factor when yeah. you're, um, when your adrenaline is pumping you to, I don't want to eat anything. I kind of feel like I'm going to throw up a little bit. Right. I'm not sure what, you know, I might piss myself. I'm not sure what's going right. to happen. Right now. <laughs> totally. So I don't want to eat anything. Um, so, but I have had guys, um, competitors where they're like, I just felt slow sluggish when I was getting on. And I think that your adrenaline gets pumping so hard and they haven't eaten a couple hours prior to yeah. that, that that glycogen gets zapped and they're totally. done. You know, they've got nothing left to go. So it's not healthy. Um, but a quick sugar, I, they, some of these guys carry like sour patch kids around with them Oh yeah! and right before they get on, they'll just eat three or four and that it's gone like that. You know, it's not sitting on them, but it gets your, gets the glycogen up instantly and they feel a lot better. And like, it's something as small as that, but as like a pregame meal, about two to three hours is what I'm having them do. Yeah. Um, and it's nothing heavy, just a, a quick, easy, easy digesting carb, like white rice or, um, you know, like sweet potato or something like that quinoa um and then just an easy protein to digest we usually keep it lighter on with a chicken or a pork or something like that i love it um, and again it's all off of how they're feeling yeah um, you know based off of how their day is going if it's hot at the rodeo if it's cold Oof. like sometimes it's 110 degrees and you don't want to you know you can't even think about eating anything so it just depends on what's happening but totally for the most part two three hours before like i said an easy digesting carb a light protein would be great um, and then if you're having some kind of problems where you're feeling lethargic or tired, some kind of quick sugar to help you out. I love that so much. And also Sour Patch, my go-to athlete recommendation always, because I feel like a couple go a long way and some jelly beans are another one I like to recommend, you know, or my yep. personal favorite is hot tamales. Mm -hmm. I feel like what, who was I before discovering hot tamales? Ooh. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> 
Doug, this was so much fun. I'm so glad that we got to meet. I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I I feel like you will get tired of my various questions. I have many. I have many. But my last question for you before we wrap up, I want to know, okay, and don't think too hard about this. I just want to know, knee-jerk reaction, what is the best kept secret among rodeo cowboys? I don't think we have anything wild or anything crazy like that or secret, like... Everyone's just really, really cool. Right. <laughs> I love that. You know what? That's pretty great. That's everyone pretty there great is just answer. super chill. Like everyone will come. You can go talk to anybody, even if you're not a cowboy or cowgirl. They they feel love to talk to you, and you know, they're, this is like the probably the, one of the best groups of people I've ever been a part of. Amazing. Um, it feels like family every time I'm there. Um, that's the best kept secret. They're yeah. the best group of people ever. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know what? That no, I'm serious. That really is an awesome best kept secret. This was so much fun. And I feel like I learned so much. I feel like I have a lot of videos to watch tonight. That's what I would say. That's my, that's one of my most immediate takeaways is I got to watch some, some rodeo and, uh, and send you my follow-up questions. <laughs> Yeah, please do. Please do. I have tons of it on my Instagram. Okay. All right. Where tons and where can it. people follow you? Tell us. Uh, champion.living is on my Instagram and then champion living fitness on Facebook and then championlivingfitness.com for a website. Love it. All right. Doug Champion, that was awesome. Go go to the haunted hotel in New Mexico, the St. James Haunted Hotel. I also just feel like I needed to give that shout out. I know it's not even, your family doesn't even own it anymore. You know what? Nope. Don't go there, but go there if you want to see <laughs> a rodeo haunting. Uh, it is wild. <laughs> Doug, thank you so much. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jacqueline London RD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>